Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Everybody, we're back for another week of Tis the Podcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive all year long. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. And I'm Tom. Hey guys, how's it going? You know, my week was not great before I watched tonight's movie, but it just went even further downhill after I watched it. And now you get to talk about it. <laughs> Tom. You know, I'm doing all right. Had a nice three-day weekend. That was nice. <laughs> I've been a little saddened. We're supposed to have cold weather. It's supposed to be fallish in Tulsa, and it's not. How hot yeah. is it in Tulsa still? It was pushing. It was it was high eighties today, pushing ninety. So it was supposed to be like real fallish, like highs in the in the like low seventies, right? And the lows all the way down to the forties. It'll be better than. It'll be better than it has been. I'm not complaining. It's not in the, the 90s. The front stalled, though. In parts of Oklahoma, it was in the 30s yesterday. It's cool uh, in the mornings here, but the days are still, like, high 80s, early 90s. When does it really cool off for y'all, Anthony? I mean, it, dep- it depends on the year, you know? Yeah. Like, last year was well into October, end of October, but there are times it'll be mid-end of September. Yeah. I think I'd have a feeling it'll be, like, another October-y year here. Just the vibe I'm getting. Yep. We didn't get the response. It's been a week from Anthony, so I think that's an improvement. Well, it has also been a week. I was just telling Tom (laughs) before you hopped on, uh, today was such torture, and not only because of this movie, that I think I am going to call out tomorrow, even though it's only been one day back at work. Oh, my God. Why is it so hard coming back on a Tuesday? I don't know. The week is so long after at words. Is the the three day weekend is amazing, but then that Tuesday you get back at like it's two Mondays packed into one day. Yep, and that's rough. But Sarah had a birthday over the weekend, didn't she, Anthony? She did have a birthday over the weekend. She had fun. You had pool time that we did not have, or that I did not have. I can't speak it for was. Tom. It was so. Yep, we laid by the pool a bit. Actually, I was reading. The novelization of Anna and the Apocalypse, which I forgot was based on a book until we, uh, I forgot how it came up again. But yeah, so I'm reading that. It's entertaining. It's clearly a young adult novel, you know, but it's, ah. nice. it's a quick read. So it's, it's exciting. We need a separate segment from you, a book corner with Anthony. What's Anthony reading now? <laughs> book recommendations from Anthony. And each episode image will be me with one of my mugs and my book. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Which can go right back to Tom saying. The only part of you that's not an old man is your age. 
It's hundred percent accurate. I can't, <laughs> I can't argue with that. And that, and that's probably the only time you'll hear me saying that statement this evening. So all the vitriol you hear in our, what is usually a nice, delightful opening where we reminisce about the week and talk about how excited we are to see each other again. No, it's ruined by the movie we're covering this week. Uh, this week we are talking about the 1988 Ernest Saves Christmas. So let's oh. launch right into <laughs> our synopsis. And for your benefit, I am going to read the long one off of IMDb. Anthony, just so we get a nice full story painted for our listeners that have not watched this gem yet. Can I, Ern- can I, give, my, can I give the Tom snarky synopsis after this? I guess. I don't have one, but I'm glad you were willing to (laughs) at least give me that opportunity if I did. If you must. Thank you. (laughs) Ernest P. Worrell, a sweet but silly taxi driver who at times suffers delusions of grandeur, has just chauffeured a rather extraordinary fare. His great red oneness, the claws himself. It seems Santa hasn't got the magic for another Christmas season and has come to Orlando, Florida for Joe Carruthers, the man he has chosen as his successor. But things quickly begin to unravel thanks to Joe's meddling agent and Santa's increasingly unreliable memory. Incredibly, dim-witted Ernest soon becomes Santa's only hope. Joining forces with a young runaway named Harmony Star, Ernest rushes to save the holidays as we know them. That's debatable. Tom, you want to go first with history with this movie? This movie has been around my whole life. I don't really remember a time without it. I watched it growing up. I haven't watched it in the last, it's been a minute. It's been several years. Um, so it was kind of, it was, it was pleasant coming back to this movie. My history is pretty similar. I mean, we were what, six-ish, seven-ish when this movie came out? Yep. Um, I saw it in the movie theaters and I come from a long line of earnest lovers in our family all the way up through my great aunt Vel, who I liked Ernest also. So when we would go to grandma's house for Christmas, which is where we always were for Christmas, she was always game to watch any Ernest movie. And she particularly liked this one. And my great aunt Vel was like my favorite human on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is truly a family affair type movie. I probably have not watched this thing in 15 to 16 years before watching it today. Um, and it just brought back all the good memories. Anthony, what's that your was such a lovely story, movie? Julia. And I would like to start off by doing something I don't often do on this show, which is apologize. I would like to apologize <laughs> to you and Tom and all of our listeners in advance for the amount of vitriol you are going to hear because I have not heard, I have not had such a visceral reaction to a movie since episode four's Arthur Christmas. And I would like to point out some of my words may get nasty, but they are my opinions and my opinions alone. I'm not taking away from any of y'all. So let me just get that out there. All right. I know a lot of people have love and nostalgia for this film. I know it's beloved And, you know, full disclosure, going in with my history, I thought I'd have a lot of love and nostalgia for this film, too, because this was part of my childhood from, like, the earliest childhood. I remember watching it. And as we've seen in the past of things we've covered, nostalgia plays a powerful factor for me, usually, when it comes to reviewing things from childhood. And this was one I watched multiple times, and I was surprised by how much I remembered having not seen it in years. But let me say, watching it today... I 
appreciated this movie. I really did. I resent my parents a little bit for subjecting me to this at such a young age. And yet at an old enough age where I actually retained memories of this piece of hot garbage. This movie is an abomination, an abomination. And, you know, I've mentioned some controversial things on this show before. I mentioned that when I had kids, I wouldn't mind so much, you know, showing them, like, you know, movies that contain, like, the raunchier stuff since they have violence or whatever, you know? Because, you know, you were, whatever. I had my reasons. I'm not going to get into them again. And this movie tonight cemented that opinion for, for me. For me. I would rather show my elementary aged kids office Christmas party or a bad mom's Christmas or the night before than this piece of crap. Because at least those movies, in my opinion, aren't pandering to the lowest common denominator. People can argue nudity and sex and language aren't the most sophisticated forms of humor, and I know they're not, but at least it's not implying audiences have the humor of a three-year-old. And if they question the language, I'll say, hey, kids, some adults talk like this. Just don't repeat it in school. Or if they question the nudity, I'll be like, hey, kids, everybody has nipples. Just don't show them. But you meet someone like Ernest and run away as fast as you can. You turn out to be like Ernest, and I'll send you to military school to have some sense knocked into you seriously uh, <laughs> it's trashy childish immature adam sandler like crap and i'd prefer 99 of the movies on our list over this any day of the week and three times on sunday this makes all american christmas carol look sophisticated in my opinion it does. This makes Pee Wee Herman look like William Shakespeare. This makes Pete's Christmas and North Pole look like masterpieces. This movie was so dumb, so dumb, and I am dumber for having watched this movie today. I felt my brain cells actively dying as I watched it to the point I had to get up and go on my computer to play a game so I could exercise those brain muscles as I watched it so I didn't lose IQ points. And I am being dead serious right now. If it wasn't for the fact, by the way, that Jim Varney gave a slinky dog. Is he done yet? If it wasn't for the fact, by the way, that Jim Varney did the voice of Slinky Dog, I would say he deserves to be consigned to the trash heap of Hollywood history for giving us Ernest, just like Adam Sandler does for all of his crappy movies. I have no love for this man or this character. None. I feel for him what Julia feels for Corbin Burnson, if not worse. He, Adam Sandler, and the animated Caillou can be exiled to an island somewhere, and the island could be firebombed, and the world would be better off. I hated this movie. And the only question I have, which will hopefully be resolved for our discussion, is if it ranks as low as Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas or just slightly higher, if it deserves to be just slightly higher. But I, I, the last thing I'll say, the last thing I'll say in this opening rant here, this unhinged rant, as Tom is going to call it, the the last thing I will say is this. I haven't felt this close at the end of a movie. I haven't felt this close to calling it quits of this podcast since Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas, but this movie nearly did it in. I loathed 
this movie and everything about it. And I know one day we're probably going to cover Ernest Scared Straight for Patreon or Halloween or something. And I hope it's for Patreon so I can really let that vulgar language fly and let people know what I think of this movie and this franchise. Thank you for letting me get on the soapbox. <laughs> I didn't want to listen to any of what I knew was coming, but I did add running commentary in chat that y'all seem to miss. I was laughing at it. You, you read that you read what I saying in chat. <laughs> I, I know Anthony didn't. I don't want my my score to rise exponentially the longer I listen to Anthony's dribble. So I took my headphones off and didn't listen. I, 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 and you all think I have no soul. And that's fine. But I have a soul because I do feel bad because I know Julia really loves this movie. I know a lot of our listeners really do. So I wanted to like this watching it today. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I mean, you not liking it has no bearing on whether I like it any less or more. So no, I know, but I know, I know, not like it. I know sometimes, like people in general, you're, take these things a little personally. You're not Julia's April. It's fine. I resent that. <laughs> I know you do. Okay. Alrighty. So Ernest Saves Christmas was directed by a guy very, very, very familiar with Ernest. Um, John R. Cherry III. Um, he's responsible, <laughs> if I want to phrase it in Anthony's way, for most of the Ernest movies. It's his specialty, you could say. Not ashamed to say I have seen most of these movies. So you can think- There were some older ones that were new to me, like Ernest Goes to Africa? Nope. That's what I meant, that. older ones, <laughs> not newer ones. Yeah, or that newer one was ones. fresh. Yeah, I've never um, heard so that one. John, <laughs> John directed- Let's see. Know what I mean? Hey, Vern, it's my family album. Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. And you better believe I'm going to read all these titles that I wouldn't typically because I know that Anthony doesn't want to hear them. The Ernest Film Festival. One of my favorites, Ernest Goes to Camp. I think that was the first one I saw. Um, oh, that was hey, the Vern. first one I saw too as a kid. Hey, Vern, win $10,000. Hey, Vern, it's Ernest. Ernest Goes to Jail. I remember liking that one a lot. Ernest Scared Stupid also made me laugh. Ernest Rides Again. Slam Dunk Ernest. Ernest Goes to Africa. Ernest in the Army. And that gets us out of the Ernest realm for John Archery. Writer of this movie is Ed Turner. Not a lot to his name. In fact, he's known for two writing credits, period. Um, this one and Winners Take All, which I've not even heard of. It looks like a delightfully late 80s sports-themed movie. And it brings us to our cast. Playing Ernest P. Worrell as well as a host of other characters, as Ernest is wont to do, is Jim Varney. Um, I'm going to take a little sidebar on Jim Varney here because there were literally hundreds of kids dying of cancer where their Make-A-Wish Foundation wish was to meet Ernest before they died. And he fulfilled every single request of those kids. Oh, it made me feel like a piece of crap. Well, <laughs> I've got more. That's the point. He and, would do... oh, go ahead, Julia. Sorry. Well, I just want to say that he was known for his philanthropy. He also has an off-the-charts IQ and was often frustrated when people met him and thought he was his character, Ernest. Um, Maybe he shouldn't have done 20 Ernest movies then. He died much richer than you or I or Julia will probably ever be, Anthony. It worked. Did you know that not only was he that philanthropic, he loved his fans and 
was known he when he would go somewhere he would sign each and every autograph that people wanted he would leave and show pictures to the photographers of blisters that he would get and burst from signing so many at one point he signed over 1100 autographs during an appearance in tennessee because he didn't want to let a single fan who came to see him down yes i'm not denying he might have been a good person but i couldn't find anything negative about him from anybody who knew him is this where I, I insert the soundbite of Anthony saying the world would have been a better place if Jim Varney had never existed from your rant? He, Adam Sandler, and the animated Caillou can be exiled to an island somewhere, and the island could be firebombed, and the world would be better off. Is that what I do? Wow, <laughs> Anthony. Not only this, I got to give a little Jim Varney backstory. Jim Varney, before he took up the role and became the, the, the movie star of Ernest, which might I add, he did, like, he was a box office hit, did very well in the box offices, made a lot of money, uh, his, his movies, movies did. Are we, are we going by box offices now? No, I'm just because saying, we it was successful. To those figures. I never said I didn't pay attention to box offices. I'm just saying he was successful. Oh, okay. Now I know his, that for his films. Okay. His films were successful. I'm not saying that you have to like them, but we have to say he did have a he did have an audience. Um, I was surprised to learn that um, his movie was number two in the box office behind Beverly Hills Cop Two. Uh, he got his start in commercials and was a huge commercials hit all across the country. And was for years, the Vern thing started at Brahms, Julia, right here in Oklahoma. What? He, uh, at the height of his career, he was hawking everything like sodas, orange juice, natural gas, beds. Of course, he made people want Brahms. And uh, he was making between 12 and 50 grand per commercial he did. And he was just cranking them out all over the place. Okay, so I can't wait for the future when I'm on the side of the fence you guys are on currently. And I can talk about how amazing a certain actor is in their personal life and how much they're making by doing crap movies. Because apparently that counts. For We're talking about the actor. We're bringing facts and, and information about him that's, as a person. That, that's fine. I just, I, just, I just didn't know. Anthony somebody, has such this New dead. York chip on his shoulder. This New Yorker <laughs> anger thing, man. I just didn't know an actor's net worth equated to their you know how good of an actor they were not saying he's a good actor i'm saying he knew what he was doing and he did it and he raked it in you know and good and good for him for doing that like that's not sarcasm good for him for that's all that. i'm saying he he had a niche um and he exploited it now i will say though when he was doing the commercials for brahms uh he the the first commercial he did it was him um telling Vern how awful, how awesome and wonderful Brahms dairy farms and the Brahms stores were, the company did get bags of mail from people who wrote in that they hated Ernest. <laughs> so he was not... He's an acquired he was, taste, for sure. He is. I will say, and I mentioned this in my rant too, he, he gave us the voice of Slinky Dog, and for that I am grateful. And he also played Jed Clampett, Jed Clampett. in Beverly yep. Hillbilly's movie, which he was perfect for. So, Dude, he looked, he, was, he looked the part 100% and did so well with it. And as far as movies that adapt those old TV shows go, that one was actually pretty good, too. Yep. They did a really good job with that one compared to, like you said, compared to most of them. Like, I can only think of a couple that did as well. Like, The New Addams Family did really well. The one with Christina Ricci as Wednesday was good. This was good, but a lot of them just were so hokey. So yep, Jim Varney got his start in... Stand-up comedy in Los Angeles, like a lot of 
comedians do. And he actually was one of the founding members of Comedy Store, Los Angeles's Comedy Store. Um, and it was him and Robin Williams at the beginning. And they remained friends until Jim Barney's death. Um, he died like, what is it, like 20 years ago now, right? He died. 2000. He had- yeah, because I know he didn't make it to Toy Story 3. So I know right. two was like his last. But he was really good friends with the person who voiced Slinky Dog in the future movies, which happens to also be an Adam Sandler friend and is in most Adam Sandler movies. He also plays Sean Hunter's dad on Boy Meets World, the one who took over the Slinky Dog role. <laughs> Do you all know what he got his star, his starting role, his first role ever acting was? He played Scrooge in a local children's, like in Lexington, Kentucky, in a children's theater production of A Christmas Carol. So shout out to Lexington, Kentucky for Ron. You share a birthplace with Jim Varney. I'm sorry, President Hot Dog. He's been lots of different voices, um, obviously known for his voice acting, um, and has ties, obviously, to Disney, as Disney did produce some of the Ernest movies, if not all, um, under the Touchstone Wait, Disney banner. Disney produced these? Yeah. Well, then I guess well he does do Ernest, my favorite. Ernest is Jed Clampett. I do like Slinky Dog, but Jed Clampett was just, that, that movie was so good. I mean, again, he was perfect in that role. I, I can't say a thing, bad thing about him in that role. And again, I really love that movie too. I love that show though. And he was, an, he was a really big fan of, of the Beverly Hillbillies. So he said it was a thrill to be able to play that role. I mean, plus, I mean, Leah Thompson was in that role and we all love her. I loved her. I loved her. So playing Santa Claus in this movie is Douglas Seal. Might be Seely, I'm not sure. He's British. You may know him best for just a ton of voice work, but primarily you'll probably know him best for being the voice of the Sultan in Aladdin. That happy Oh, I knew that voice sounded familiar. Right? Very memorable voice. He was also in, he was a voice in the Rescuers Down Under, um, Krebs, and I cannot even tell character that was even though i love those movies um and he was in some tv he was in the golden girls family he played ties. two different people in golden girls he played malcolm and seymour mm-hmm. were, were, are they totally different characters or were yep. they like no nope, they were different people gotcha i mean i can't say anything he does good voice work but i mean in terms of live action acting goes, he does a horrific impression of Edmund Gwen from A Miracle on 34th Street. As I, it was clear he was going for that version of Santa and failed miserably. This wasn't his first foray into Santa either. He was in Santa 85. And this won't be the last time we visit him because he's in a Smoky Mountain Christmas. Yes, he well. is. Well, I very much hope that uh, he brings his A game in those movies. I, I liked him in this movie. Santa. I loved him in this movie. He's one of my top about? four Santa. He, I mean, I would say he did an awful impression of the Oscar-winning Santa Claus from the original Miracle on 34th Street. He brought nothing new to the game. And I don't like my Santa stupid. He was senile. old That's and the... ready to retire and give away I, I the gift I of being I Santa? I don't like my Santa's old and ready to retire and senile and old. It's one thing if, you know... How many times are you going to say old? Santa's supposed to be old. He keeps saying old. He's supposed to be old. I meant like old and 
whatever word you want to use. I don't want to insult anyone with. No, no, keep going, keep going. We're gonna get we're gonna get Anthony even further down on the the, the worst list. He's supposed to be youthful at heart, and this guy was not. Okay. He still had a he still had a whimsical view of reality and uh, uh, love of life. He would have been a perfect opposite of Buddy the Elf. <laughs> his look was amazing. I loved his beard and his look and the way he treated everybody. It was just so warm, welcoming, and friendly. Hard disagree, but I'm Anthony. Could I be any more wrong? Playing our soon-to-be Santa. Joe Carruthers is Oliver Clark. He's been in some stuff, but it looks like he was primarily in MASH. Um, I am not a MASH fan, but <laughs> it does appear like most of his fame comes from his run on that show. He's also in the Bob Newhart show. I think he was on Barney Miller too, right? He looked Barney Miller. Barney that's Miller. right. Santa Good Barbara. Barney Miller. Saint Elsewhere. Saint Night Elsewhere. Court. Oh my gosh. My parents like that show. He was the voice of Santa in Santa in Car- or Christmas in Cartoon Town from 1996. And he was on the TV series Ed. Did y'all watch Ed, the bowling alley lawyer? I've said this before. I, I do remember I? that one. I do sure remember Ed. Before. I loved that show. Julie, that's a young Julie Bowen on that show, by the way. Pre-Modern Family. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was also one of Adam Sandler's love interests, pre-Modern Family. So the Adam Sandler love just keeps circulating around in this episode. Playing our troubled youth, Harmony Star, or whatever her name was. Whoa, the second, the second movie in a row where characters named Harmony. How weird is that? Stage name, Harmony, is Noelle Parker, which is kind of extra funny to me considering it's a Christmas movie. Um, she was born on Christmas Day in 1971. Fancy schmancy. I wonder if that had anything to do with her name. She was in a whole bunch of 80s TV, given her look. It was a good fit. Like a whole <laughs> bunch of 80s TV. I mean, she looked like she could have been an extra on The Facts of Life or something. Yeah, like I remember wanting to dress like her when I watched this movie, except the crop tops. I've never been a fan of crop tops. But her hair was like the jam, and her bracelet game was on point. I love wearing crop tops. You yep. would. It's a good time for you now because you're making a resurgence. <laughs> Oh, geez. She played, I remember the made-for-TV movie that um, I saw part of that I wasn't supposed to on Amy Fisher. She played Amy Fisher. Oh, Lord. Yep. Is that an oh, Lord moment? Oh, it was. It was. Since then, it, I've watched a few uh, buddy Joey Buttafuoco documentaries. <laughs> it's a also starring. crazy story. It's a crazy story, y'all. <laughs> Also starring as Santa's late-to-the-game love interest at the end of the movie is Billy Bird, who is precious. She's also a vaudeville comedian. Um, We have seen her before, albeit in a teeny tiny little role. Um, She was woman in airport in Home Alone. Um, But she's also been in a whole lot of other awesome 90s and 80s stuff. She was in 16 Candles, Police Academy movies. She was in a remake of of a cartoon I really quite like, the Dennis Menace remake in 1993 with Walter Matthau. We just watched like that. that too. We just, Ellie and I just watched that. It is, that you talk about a movie that held up really well. That movie yeah. to this day is absolutely amazing. <laughs> we need to get a, a Dennis Menace Christmas on our list next year. 
Let's do it. This was so, such a sweet movie. Also, just saying, you just watch it, Tom. Mrs. Wilson would have made a good Professor Umbridge. She had her look. She'd also make a really good Mrs. Claus. uh, Judging from Anthony's hatred of the elderly earlier, we better not cast her. (laughs) She's way too old to be Mrs. Mrs. Claus and too old. I don't have a hatred of the elderly. That's very much how it came across. Uh, you although, were complaining about Santa being old. I, just, I have to add that. I have to discord that, y'all. I really do. <laughs> Let me just say, though, because I brought her up before, Dennis the Menace, another movie starring Leia Thompson. <laughs> How about that? It is. Because you're right. She's a big deal in the Yeah, she 90s. was. Uh, she's on Kermit's list. Kermit has on a that, list? On that Muppets TV show. <laughs> and at the the end he got stuck in the elevator with her (laughs) and he was so he was so excited because the elevator doors were closing but then that really creepy muppet chip came into the elevator and (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh okay so carrying on the tulsa love what the brahms mentioned earlier tom um also starring in this movie as well as most other earnest movies is the additional comedy duo of Bobby and Chuck. Chuck and Bobby in this movie are the ones that are handling the reindeer in the airport overflow pick up your packages area. For those of you that are not earnest people. Um, So playing Chuck is Gaylord Gaylord Sartain. Uh, He graduated from the University of Tulsa. He has a BFA and he has done some really big movies. He hasn't done anything since 2005, but he was in like Fried Green Tomatoes. He was of course in The Outsiders because Tulsa you he would kind of have to be. He went to high school with Essie Hinton and they were friends and so yep. she said, "Hey, I, I wrote didn't know this that. book. We're making this movie. I'm going to put you in it." Yep. They were How very cool good. Is that? Yeah, he's also a renowned artist as well. And he did a ton of cover art for Leon Russell albums. Leon Russell is also a hometown boy. So the last time I saw Leon Russell, he played at Mayfest downtown on an open stage. And we watched him go up on the stage. His beard was like way past Santa, white, long, perfect. Um, mm-hmm. It was really sad because he was having a very hard time walking. People had to help him. He couldn't get up. But the moment that man sat down and started playing piano, he became a 20-year-old all over again. I mean, the guy had so much energy, enthusiasm, was just tearing it up. It was it was interesting. So interesting side note. Marty's dad was the founder of the Leon Russell fan club, like the Leon Russell fan club. For real? And, uh-huh. and after Marty's dad died... Um, Marty's grandma kind of picked up the helm and kept the fan club going. And Leon Russell would come to Muskogee to her house every year for her birthday. And they would set up a big tent and he called her mama honey, just like everybody else called her honey. He called her mama honey. Oh, wow. Very very close. So Leon Russell's a thing in the Colburn family. That's awesome. So there we go. Julia ripping out the, uh, the, the celebrity connection. So you mentioned his last movie was in 2005. He's actually, I mean, he's still alive and all of that. Um, But he chose Elizabethtown as his last movie because he felt like it was the perfect movie experience and he didn't need to progress past that. And maybe someday he'd act again if he felt like something that good came along again. That, That was a really good movie. That's a good movie. So it's interesting because in a lot of these roles, he does not play the character he plays in the Ernest movies. Chuck, it is a it is a very unique role. 
he plays in those movies. We'll revisit that when we talk about the duo. The other half of his duo as Bobby, which is mostly the quiet one, is Billy Berg. Might be saying that wrong. And he pretty much has just only been in earnest movies as Bobby. And that's our cast. And as far as our storyline. What a cast. It's not, it's not complicated, guys. It's not a complicated storyline. So Ernest plays Ernest, the same character in every single movie. Tries really hard, really good intentions, gets stuff sometimes, wrong. I just want to say sometimes the road to hell is paved with good intention. <laughs> so there was a 1987 Times New York Times story um, on Ernest Goes to Camp. And in it, Varney said, was talking about critics. He said, they hate us. They're trying to find artistic value in something that's purely a commercial enterprise. It's like a critic reviewing a baseball card. Alan. He very much knew, knew what he was making. <laughs> I'm sure any actor who starred in a critically uh, panned film could say a variation of that. They know what they're doing. They're doing it for the paycheck. You think James Caan did Santa's sleigh for the acclaim? Uh, no, we've we've already somebody either had him blackmailed or was trying to get a friend or he was trying to help a friend. We've already been through this. Okay, so we open up with Ernest's job in the beginning of this movie as a taxi driver, um, and he inadvertently ends up getting Santa Claus from the airport. Santa is in the back of a taxi cab in Orlando, Florida, because Santa is old. And he has done the job since the 1800s. And he's realized in the last few years, the magic is wearing off. The magic is wearing off because it's time for him to pass the baton to a new Santa, fresh Santa, so the magic can be fresh for the benefit of children everywhere. So he has whittled the list down and he has found his guy and it's Joe Carruthers. Joe Carruthers is a very jolly fellow in the movie. He's an actor who cannot find a steady job, um, but has been trying. And he's been on a TV show in Orlando for quite some time teaching kids how to have really good manners. And Ernest is familiar with him. Santa is obviously familiar with him. And he's beloved by kids all over the Orlando area because of this little, what do they call it? Like a PBS is the, is the it reminded deal me, I got. It was some kind of a PBS show. It reminded me of... Um... That show Robin Williams did in Mrs. Doubtfire, the PBS show with the, yeah, that's what it kind of reminded me of he was doing. So I have a question for y'all. You guys are cool with the whole um, portrayal of Santa as like a legacy thing. It's not just the one guy. I mean, I figured Julia would be because you really like Arthur Christmas and Arthur taking on that role. Yeah, I was fine with it. I think actually I prefer the next Santa being intentionally sought after than waiting for somebody to fall off a roof and put a suit on. If we want to talk I, about legacies, I like that there was intention behind one Santa picking the next Santa. See, I would, I can see that. I mean, I would say I don't like a legacy Santa thing in general. I love the Santa Claus, but I mean, that was like an accident. Like none of those Santas mean to die. They just had a contingency plan. But I feel there's a legacy Santa thing going on. I will like something where like they pick somebody who has to have that Linus change. You know, they pick more of a Scrooge or a Grinch who has to Mm -hmm. grow into the role. I don't need that. I'm fine with it. But in general, I don't like the legacy Santa thing. Mm-hmm. So that you just really like bothered. the guy who's I, that, always done it. 
the guy who's always done it and who it's like again my go-to is santa claus the movie how they were portrayed in that they got immortality and you know he shaped what santa was over the centuries during that montage and that's i think there's something special about the one guy always doing it mm-hmm. and not that it has a bearing on this film but the fact that he could never have kids of his own so he adopts the world's children as mm-hmm. yeah, i think both are valid i liked this one i liked um i liked seeing him miss the role you know when everybody's like oh you're you're having to give away being santa he's like yeah it was like the best job to have ever and if you think about it 1988 was still it's still the 80s and jobs were big talking in the 80s so i don't know that it wasn't misplaced as far as the time period goes to have job the actual job be such a focus Ernest is driving him around. He, he's, he, so this Santa doesn't hide who he is from anybody. He doesn't even like, you know, no, he's say very... my name is S. Claus. He's like, no, like I'm straight up Santa. Like I'm Santa. I mean, that's and not so, new, right? They do that in a miracle. No, it's not. But different, too. yeah, different movies deal with it different ways. Um, and so Ernest doesn't believe him at first, um, but does believe him because of, an inanimate object that becomes a very big plot point of the story. Santa's sack. He's got his big red. I know. Okay. How many times did you hear the word sack in this movie and think (laughs) that they have chosen another word? I could have called it his bag. Yeah. Why couldn't they call it his bag? I've always heard it called Santa's bag, right? Santa's... well, no, I've heard it referred to, but it's like heard, when you hear a word like a million times in the in an hour and a half movie, you're yeah. like, that's a lot of times to say that word. But I don't, <laughs> I mean, when I was a kid, I don't remember that, obviously. Especially with a movie as juvenile as this one. We yeah. know, you know they were going for it. I mean, let's be honest. You think so? I kind of think they'd have to be, right? I don't know. I can't wrap my brain around that. The that humor's not terribly that. matured. It's not terribly it's matured. It's not, but it's not dirty it's not humor. it's not it's i mean it's not even potty humor really it's it's tr- it's totally juvenile but it's not really it's not like potty humor no you're right you're right i don't know i really struggled with that so i'm glad that y'all also recognize <laughs> maybe that's why that. anthony didn't like it the potty <clears throat> humor wasn't his type of potty humor well please it's I not can't... sandler potty humor that's for it's sure not... it's not exactly. sandler level I don't like Sandler level potty humor either, so don't even. I'm saying that this is not time. Sandler level potty humor. No, no, no. You, I know, you I do know. like you do like dirty humor. Don't pretend you don't. I, I like dirty humor. There's a difference between dirty humor and potty humor. Adam Sandler humor is literal potty humor. I'll take yeah. dirty humor over potty humor any day. Of the- <laughs> All right. Anthony's having some rage so. issues today, y'all. <laughs> Uh, you have no idea. If we recorded this right after I watched it, like I would have flipped a table. So Santa's in the back of the taxi cab and he needs to get to the Orlando Children's Museum because that's where Joe films his show. Um, he gets there. He talks to Joe, although he's thwarted a few times by the agent Marty, <laughs> who is <laughs> Joe's agent and has gotten him um, an interview for a job on a movie. And so... 
Santa misses Joe, misses talking to Joe, and so that takes them on another path altogether. We meet our we, teen runaway. Do we know at this point what the movie is? Because that was the one legitimate laugh I got out of this movie that was Christmas like... Slay. No, not... we do not know. We do not know what the movie is. We just know it is a movie, a movie that he would be a good fit for, given yep. his proclivity for being great jolly child guy that's right the orlando children's museum was actually the science center and it no longer is used for that now it is where they the orlando holds their annual shakespeare festival by which jim varney was a classically trained shakespearean actor as well which really shows in this film absolutely All right, so we meet our childhood runaway, Harmony. She's not been home for an entire month because, well, she's grown up, right? And it's just nonsense at her house. Her parents are divorced. They have neglected her. um, And so she decided better just to leave the house. Um, She's getting into some trouble. She has no money as she is a teenage runaway. And um, she's stealing food from restaurants and she's a total liar, liar, pants on fire. So she gets in the taxi cab with Santa and Ernest. Also here, you know, is, is slightly alarmed, but not as alarmed as you think you would be when you get into a taxi cab and a guy claims he's Santa, but you know, it's cool, whatever. <laughs> She's a part of the story. She clearly does not believe in Santa. Ernest is not yet entirely convinced, but since Ernest sees the good in everybody, he's definitely giving this guy a chance. Um, and we see this when he drops Santa off at the museum and all Santa has is play money because oopsie he had oodles and oodles of real money and he accidentally sent them to a field to to use with her kitchen set he gave her for Christmas and he meant to give her the play money but instead he kept the play money and gave her the real money case in point we need a new Santa because this guy is getting a little confused we take a few side tracks here and I want to talk about some of this stuff so if, if anybody on Anybody listening right now has not seen an Ernest movie. There is a break the fourth wall character in Ernest movies, and his name is Vern. And you are Vern watching the movie. That is you. You are Vern. Um, This is actually the only Ernest movie that Vern appears in. That's right. Although he is referenced in all. Know what I mean, Vern? He is. That started at Brahms. That started at Brahms? Yep, that that started on a Brahms commercial. So Ernest and watching this movie, it reminded me of some of the weird point of view shots in Ernest movies um, where you are Vern. (laughs) And I remember as a kid and it reminded me today and I had the same feelings. The Vern scene in this movie doesn't do it for me as a whole. It doesn't there. Although there is a quote in the Vern scene that always made me laugh hysterically when I was a kid and it was the punch bowl. And I can't even express to you why it was so funny to me, but I laughed today just as hard. You know what really annoyed the crap out of me in the Vern scene? What? I freaking hate him trying to unplug the plug and just ripping through the wall. (laughs) Even as a kid, I'm like, nobody is this dumb. Not everybody unplugs things the way Anthony does. (laughs) Funny guy, funny guy, funny guy right here. So we have that side derail into Vern's house where Ernest wreaks havoc, right? And, and just is yep. very earnest for those moments. But it's when 
Ernest steps outside of Vern's house to try and find something to fix the outlet or whatever that it takes him to Santa's bag. I'm not calling it Santa's sack, by the way. And he opens up the bag and it's where he realizes Santa is actually Santa. There's a glowing, there's a glow coming out of the bag. It's obviously there's magic in the bag. So that's when Ernest realizes, whoa, Santa is actually Santa. This is a big deal. He tries to tell a teenage runaway. She's like, yeah, whatever. She looks inside the bag. She sees the magic also, but is not convinced. Um, so they make a plan. They need to reunite Santa with his bag. That is a big deal. So they must do this thing. And so teenage Anthony, runaway. Did, did you like Harmony, Anthony? Uh, I felt she was the cliche. I didn't hate her. But I mean, she's a cliche. You've seen a lot of these. I just feel like she was somebody you would relate to. Is that not the case? Why? Because she ends up stealing Santa's sack and using it for the wrong reasons and being like this terrible well, liar. It was really her advocating for lies, her hard advocating, you know, like when Ernest lost his job for not collecting the fare from Santa. I was just wondering if that was Man, something you could you relate know how to. Bad I felt for Ernest there. I had to dig it. I had to dig out my tiny violin. I was so sad for Ernest there. I, I, okay. Anthony, I have one question, Anthony. Just one. Who hurt you? <laughs> Cle clearly, it was my parents for forcing me to watch this garbage as a child. <laughs> and you liked it as a child. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. Wait till I next talk to them and ask them how that little, this child abuse. <laughs> you have to see if your sister feels the same way you do, Anthony. <sighs> well, let me tell you something, okay? I could not find this movie to rent, so I got it on Voodoo. I know this you bought it. This movie, it's available to rent on Amazon for two ninety nine. I couldn't find it. It's there. No, well, let right. me tell you something. Bad choices. Let me let me tell you something to all the listeners out there. This movie doesn't even deserve any of that. Go through all the shady methods you need if you insist on watching this. Do not give this studio any royalties. So, Santa connects with Joe Carruthers and says, hey, here's the deal. I want you to be the new Santa. But not before he's thwarted again by Marty, the agent. Marty, the agent, hears he thinks he's Santa, thinks he's a wackadoo, has him picked Santos. up by the police. That's right, Mr. Santos. So Santa gets hauled off to jail and gets thrown in the slammer. And we you have a cute about... little scene where he corrals all of these bad guys you're supposed to perceive it as a kid watching the show in the 80s and they sing this beautiful christmas carol and it's a super cute little scene marty is one of the most cliche you talked about harmony being being cliche marty's a pretty cl cliche character too that's that's just absolutely insufferable he is yeah don't talk about julia's husband like that tom well you know the guy would ever talk to us he might earn his uh <laughs> earn more respect but he him thinking he's better than me uh -uh, i'm over it <laughs> so Ernest and harmony find out santa is in the slammer so what do they need to do any and all means to get him the slammer so here's where we see some of Ernest's other characters come into play in this movie and if, so Ernest, and if you thought that Ernest couldn't be more insufferable. 
Meet Ernest Souther characters, listeners. Who are they, Julia? Well, first we meet Aster, who is the nice, um, nicely dressed, stuck up, schmarmy, greased hair, glasses character. Um, works, it's a lot he, of clothes. Go ahead. I was going to say, in this one, he works for the mayor. Right. And so he uses under the guise of being this sh- this schmarmy assistant and having the mayor's daughter, who Harmony dresses up as, um, they get into the prison and they are able to bust Santa out. This scene bothered me. Yeah, because she's like flirty. Yes, like, and he's like, yeah, and this he's like way too touchy of a child. This one just. I wasn't cool yeah, with, this, this, with this scene. Yeah, this was uncomfortable. I don't remember it being uncomfortable watching it when I was a kid. Um, actually, always thought his stuck-up character was funny, the way he would laugh between closed teeth. Um, but I mean, He looked like a typical politician, give him that. Well, and there are Ernest movies where he plays the villain as well as the, as well as Ernest, and he usually has that greased hair look. So this... This is his only movie that does not have a villain. So they get Santa out. Now, what do they need to do? They need to get Santa in touch with Joe so he can talk to Joe. Um, But there's something that happens in the middle there where he has, where Ernest has to pull some hijinks on Marty, the agent himself, maybe to find out where Joe is. I think that's what I'm missing. Um, and that's where he plays one of my favorite Ernest characters, Aunt Nelda, with the neck brace on. Oh my gosh, it's my favorite. It's it's my favorite Ernest character besides Ernest himself. Um, and so she ends up lying and saying Marty is one of her sons. It's just very funny because she's a very judgy Southern. Southern mama. Southern mama. And our third character, because all of Ernest's sub-characters take place within the span of like 20 minutes in the middle of this movie. It's just like boom, 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 all the different Ernest characters. In order to get onto the movie lot where Joe is filming or, or test screening for this role in the movie Marty has been trying to get him, um, he does the snake charmer hillbilly. Um, she does a really good hillbilly. And I remember this one always making me laugh too. <laughs> Especially later when the snakes are on his face. <laughs> I cannot even, you I just, uh, oh man, that used to make me laugh so stinking hard. So quick little break here because I think I know and our listeners agree and actually they're the ones that planted the seed. If you're an Ernest fan, why are you an Ernest fan? And that's the question. That's the question of the day. I watched these movies when I was six. And so I think there's there's two very special things that have to happen to make you tolerable or a fan of Ernest. And and then the other side of that, hating Ernest, like Anthony seems to. Because I think Anthony is missing one of the elements. So I think you got to know your age. You're missing an element that would make you a potential Ernest fan. So I think there's two things. You have to be childlike in some way or you have to be a child to like Ernest. 
because it's silly humor. It's goofy. It's probably why you liked it when you were three or however old you were when you actually watched it when it came out. I would argue I'm not child. I am childlike still. I like a lot of kids' movies. For me, it's his wonder. He's just this innocent guy who will do anything to help anybody. And it's he may be really simple, but he's happy. He likes people. We could use a little bit more of this in our in our world today. I would disagree with that. Of course he you would. He is too simple, bordering on dumb and condescending. Too. How is he condescending? That's not. He's not condescending at all. I'll give you that. He's dumb. The guy's he's like, like a film is condescending. I've seen, I've seen pure of heart in many of the movies we've covered. This takes it to an intolerable level for me with his idiocy. And the movie uh, expects... That's how I feel on this podcast most weeks. Shut I think up the other face. element... <laughs> we just got a New York experience right here. Shut up, <laughs> you face. <laughs> Anthony, that was good. Okay, so speaking in New York then, I think the other thing missing is I think to really truly appreciate Ernest, you have to be a Southerner or have some kind of Southern tie. Because anybody from the North, any Yankee is going to look at these and think he's a simple-minded hillbilly, country bumpkin, don't get the humor. And I don't think it resonates with Northerners like it resonates with Southerners. I just don't think it does. And there are two people, at least in our Facebook feed, who absolutely agree with that. They grew up in the South. They grew up with Ernest. They know Ernest because they live in the same town Ernest lives in an earnest character somewhere and they can resonate with that. And I don't think a lot of Northerners have the palatability to resonate with. I'm not going to argue. I mean, I've made that argument for stuff you guys don't like because of the language like veep when you, I said, yeah, you guys said no one talks like that. And I said, that's actually really realistic to companies right. I've worked at. So I think right. there is a, well, how did we end up phrasing it? Not a cultural thing. Uh, I think it's a regional thing. Regional thing. Yep. Um, so I'm not. I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, I would say you know a lot of people in New York grew up on it too. I would have to like poll friends and stuff to see if they still have fond memories of it or if they've seen it recently. But mm -hmm. I mean, it was a thing here when we were young. But maybe like a lot of us, maybe I'm not like the exception for like maybe a lot of my new york friends wouldn't like it now if they watched it again you know what i mean i don't know mm -hmm. it's an interesting question but i would say a lot of his truth to that for sure because again yeah. i've often been on the other side of that argument with the more raunchy stuff where i'm like yeah this is how people act in right here yeah, I think it makes a difference, especially since of the four characters he plays, if we consider Ernest a character himself, I mean, three I mean, of the, all but one of them are Southern stereotypes, not Northern. The hillbilly, the Southern mama, and Ernest himself. So Santa finds Joe on the set of this, mo this movie, Christmas, Christmas Play, and is watching Joe do this screen test. And it's just further enforcing the fact that Joe would be a really good Santa because he sees this scene where he's talking to some kids and it's a beautifully set Christmas scene. And Santa has all the good feels until Joe pulls the gun out because a swamp monster alien is coming in through the front door. And we find out the movie is called Christmas Sleigh. It's called Christmas Sleigh, but it's S-L-A-Y and it is actually a Christmas-themed horror movie in which Joe Carruthers is expected to use all sorts of naughty language and guns and violence. 
which Joe himself has reservations about. So Santa sees this and <laughs> so he talks to Joe and this is where I think he finally pitches Joe the job of being Santa and Joe seems enamored with the idea momentarily, but then falls back into the for real you're who and you're offering me the job of Santa. If you're real, you're really going to have to prove it to me is basically what he says. Um, but he leaves Santa on a positive note where, where Santa leaves with some hope because so Santa tells them show up by seven o'clock tonight. Cause if you don't show up by seven o'clock tonight on Christmas Eve, Santa or Christmas is like done. Canceled. There will be no Santa. That's right. Zero. Santa. Cancel culture. If you don't, if I, you I, don't show up. Again, this whole concept is absurd to me. If our Santa mythology that he, okay, fair, fair enough. If he wants to pass the magic on, cause he's getting, again, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to use certain, but, words, so but depending, so that bothers you, but an idea that you pick up a card and suddenly you have to be Santa. And if you don't do it, there won't be a Christmas doesn't bother you. No, because it's not Santa willingly giving up the job and giving up like it's an oh and willingly giving up his magic and then saying if you don't if someone doesn't take this job by seven o'clock I'm going to there's going to be no Christmas. That's not very. Jolly. He doesn't dictate that. That's just how it works. Uh, but again, it's the whole mythology. That's just Santa like. saying the magic well, yeah. is leaving me. I need to find. And he did. He took the time. He's known it was leaving him for a while because it took him a really long time to find Joe. Right. It's intentional. I don't have a problem with that. I know you do, yeah. and that's totally great. I, I mean, I get it. It's a bunch is, of different is mythologies it though? that is it? No, Tom, my opinion is as valid as yours. I really don't agree with that. <laughs> of course you wouldn't. Like, not even a little bit. <laughs> of course you wouldn't. <laughs> All right. So Santa leaves with Ernest with the plan to meet up. So they go back to Ernest's house. They're kind of like getting things rounded up because Harmony did not come with them on this last leg of the journey. She has been at Ernest's house the whole time trying to get what she wants out of Santa's bag using the magic. But as we learned earlier in the movie, if you are not Santa or destined to be Santa, this magic doesn't work right for you. It only works for proper Santa. And even right so now, it's not working perfectly for Santa. Current Santa. For Santos. Out. That's so right, this for is Santos. I did, I, you know what, let's be positive here. I did like that aspect, right? That the, <laughs> you know what, Tom, go check Discord. We are being positive, Mr. Negative. I, I met, I met, Tom, go check Discord. You just made the face I made fun of you for in Discord. But, <laughs> Julia, no, I, but positivity for me. I do like this aspect where it's only working for somebody Santa or someone destined to be Santa that I like that. Not anyone can pick up Santa's sack and uh, doing that on purpose, pull anything from it. You're doing that on purpose. (laughs) I am. I have to amuse myself somehow during this recording, (laughs) but no, I, I did, I did, I did really like that aspect. So full fairness. I liked that. 
Right. So Harmony is searching for something too, right? She misses her family, but she won't express that. And she's a kid that ran away. And so I, any teenage runaway is probably going to express these feelings of longing. And she thinks maybe this will solve it. So she spends a lot of time in earnest trying to get what she wants, which she thinks is a million bucks or a stereo. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. I missed the part where she spends any time in earnest. <laughs> is this where I make that Mary Poppins face? Yes. Yes. That, that, that is the very so poppin' that. Yep. That was so great when Disco said that. That's a face you make so often when me and Tom just go at it. Harmony, our teenage runaway, runs off with Santa's bag, but not before giving him a decoy. And this is after Santa told Ernest, because Ernest was like, you might want to check what's in that bag, because, like, this girl's a little sketchy, but in a nice way. And Santa's like, you know what? There's good in everybody. You can't judge a book by its cover. Insert other cliches here, and you should give people a chance. And so Ernest is like, Look where that got him. Okay. Okay. I want my Santa to be like that. Thank you very much. And so Harmony runs off with the real magical bag, and Santa realizes pretty darn quick. I mean, let's, he straight up knows it like right away that she's done that. And so he's disheartened. So Santa is alone and makes his way to the museum. We also have Ernest who has, is tackling the transportation issue by going to the airport where the reindeer have been keeping Chuck on his toes with his crazy wiggly eyes. <laughs> can, can we talk for a minute about how an idiot Chuck and his assistant are? Because the reindeer weren't flying, they were walking on the roof. There's a difference between walking and flying. They got up there. They got up there, but they using were using the power of flight. They're flying reindeer. You know, they had a problem with these reindeer when they were filming. I don't know if y'all know that or not. Really? Did they? They were shedding their antlers while they were filming. Oh, so they really? had to bring in, so they had to use prosthetics. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Yeah, they had to, they had to have fake antlers because they're. Oh, they that's just really poor timing. Don't they shed at the same time every year? Yes. Why didn't they think of that? Probably because it's. Don't talk. I'm going to put you on mute. Have you seen the creative people behind this film? (laughs) Okay, so that side storyline is going through throughout the entire movie. Can I say something about the reindeer, though? Besides the fact they're just walking on the ceiling? That's fine. (laughs) I am just going to say these reindeer fall somewhere for me after the fake Donner, the fake Comet, and Prancer, but above Chet. That's how much I did not like these reindeer. They're they live no reindeer. Personality. They were real reindeer. Though. I know. That's why I preferred the other ones because the fake ones had personality. They're not meant to have personality. They're just legit reindeer. I have never met an animal that didn't have some kind of personality. Like you know, they had some kind of characteristics besides just walking around. That's what I mean. So anyway. Ernest's job is to go pick the reindeer up at the airport, where Chuck has been watching them. Chuck will not give the reindeer up because he is waiting for helper elms to come pick them up because that's what's on the side of the crate. Isn't that? Turns out it's not an M, it's a V. It's helper elves. And we have two of the scariest looking elves. Oh my gosh, right? They were terrible elves, terrible elves. Yeah, they were very poor choices on the elves. They're very old elves. They look like the little weird. Picture my elves. They look like the little weird things from the never-ending story. I don't know if they're gnomes or elves, but that's what they look like. Oh, 
I could see that. Yeah, the ears were kind of creepy. Like, I'm fine with the ears and the height and everything, but if you're going to be an elf, give them the youthful appearance. Yeah, these were not, it was an interesting choice for elves. I, I disagree wholeheartedly with this choice. So Ernest gets there, the elves get there too. The elves are able to claim, so to speak, their reindeer, even though they just run off with them. And the sleigh takes flight because of severe tire damage. And Ernest spends most of the remaining part of the movie flying the sleigh around horribly. Um, With that stupid expression on his face. So we have storylines converging. Ernest has the sleigh with the reindeer that's got to get to Santa. Santa is at the museum talking to our sweet museum handler about how his life has changed and that he's Santa and all of this stuff and they're really connecting and then we have joe who is going to sign the deal to be in this awful movie but then wants to make some revisions because he doesn't want bad language and he doesn't want violence and kids shouldn't be subjected to this and he ends up storming out of that whole discussion and deciding not to do the movie because he sees the sleigh in the distance outside of the window. So there's the Christmas magic he needed. So Joe is on his way to meet Santa to become the new Santa. And then we have Harmony who is trying to get to Miami um, with the bag, but she has a turn of heart as well because of some kids in the train station who are, her ex- who are expressing their disbelief in Santa. And she ends up heading to the museum as well to try and connect with Santa. So it's one of those, everybody arrives in the same place at the same time, kind of. So Joe ends up stepping into the role as Santa. He He's transformed into Santa when he shakes Santa's hand and has one of the worst Santa outfits I've seen. Um, really cheap. Oh, sure. it, looks, it looks like a, a Kmart Santa, right? Yeah, I want to say mall really, really Santa, poor. blue light special Santa. That's what it was. Yeah, it was not a good Santa suit. Um, but I like his Santa look. He's built for Santa. He looks like a new I don't feel Santa. like that's a compliment <laughs> to tell a man. No, but he was. <laughs> He's got like the Santa. beard. I know, I know. That's yeah, just you, not... know you know who would actually make it? I don't know why it popped into my head when I was watching this film, but you know who would actually make a good Santa if they gave him the proper prosthetics and costumes? Hopper from Stranger Things. Yes, yes. Right? This guy reminded me of like an, like it could be he Hopper's is like Hopper. brother. Dad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, Hopper would be great. I could totally see that. And um, he would be the Santa I like where he's still nice, but he has that edge to him. Yeah, he's got a little Ed Asner edge to yep. him. I get that. A little um, like the real Santa who slaps people. <laughs> so Joe is now Santa, but he has no sleigh. So he has no way to get around to all the kids in the world. He's got the bag because Harmony came back. Um, so really they're just waiting on the sleigh. And so old Santa says to new Santa, you know, use some of your Christmas magic. And he ends up making it snow, which harkens back to a little tidbit in the beginning of the movie where this old cranky, really unpleasant, a banker business something like that um wishes for snow reminder they're in orlando and new santa's first magical thing is to make it snow which makes it feel christmasy and then ernest shows up with the sleigh just in time and new santa gets on the sleigh with the elves and you can tell ernest really wants to go too so new santa lets ernest go new and then new santa lets Harmony go as well, and all is right with the world. Well, she kind of becomes the new Santa's helper, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, the problem we have here. Yeah. He's already forced romance at the end between old Santa and this random woman. No, he's already missed a lot, right? At it's already point, 7 p.m. in Florida. In the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So he's yeah. already missed half the world. Yeah. And we're just going to go by like nothing happened. Yeah, I mean, at this point we are, sure. <laughs> that never bothered me as a kid. And Anthony's <laughs> like, this is where you, this is where you draw the line. <laughs> this is I what's ridiculous for you. This is what's ridiculous for you. I know, I see it all over your face, Anthony. It's, it's there. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, I'm not going to say anything, but all of our best Santos, when you see them in these films, they always start in the U.S., I don't know why that is, man. That's weird, right? Because we're the center of the universe. History didn't begin until 1776. Everything before. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. So a few questions. One, does anybody have any favorite scenes or quotes? I do. What? What? It's going to be some snarky. My favorite scene is when the credits start rolling. No. Well, the the last credit was my favorite scene. But I also like the ending scene where they get the crate that smart E bunny and the ears pop out at the end. That was cute. Otherwise, I'm out. Did you even like the opening credits with like the The Coca-Cola Santas? All the Rockwell Santas? Yeah. Yes. Although it felt like... That was its own movie. It went on so long. It felt very long. How ha- if the, if the, if the movie ended <laughs> if the movie ended right after those credits, it would have gotten an amazing score for me because I did like. But then the movie actually started. Any other quotes from you, Anthony? From me, no. Although I did want to point out because we had coined this phrase what two or three episodes ago that I view Douglas Seeley as Santa Claus as the 50 cent rebate version of Santa Claus. I did not like him at all. And that's all. My final word on that Santa. Or should I say, in quotes for those who can't see me, that Santa. Hashtag not my Santa. Well, that's not what we were talking about right now. You were asked specifically about favorite quotes or favorite scenes. Okay, I like when he finally gives up his Santa powers because he didn't deserve them in the first place. How's that? four-year-old daughters better at listening to directions than you apparently uh one quote i did like that i think i'll be using not the is the uh, i am one with the yuletide i like that i yeah. thought that was funny that's yeah. a good movie quote and i think that's our next sticker there you go oh that's a good one i'm one with yep. the yuletide our next sticker for anthony is coming from ernest <laughs> So at the end of the movie, when he's steering the sleigh and he comes to a stop, like vertical, right, on the sleigh. And then he looks, he looks at the camera and he goes, air brakes. (laughs) I can't even tell you how happy that made me. (laughs) Just, I was not expecting. So I have heaps and heaps and heaps of nostalgia for this movie, right? Like everybody can hear Your kids like this movie? I didn't watch it with my kids. They would probably think it was dumb as a bag of rocks, but because they don't have the age and even the southern combination in Oklahoma, because I don't feel like Oklahoma is the south as much as Houston is. But I was telling my dad and my mom about this movie, about how that's what we were covering tonight, and I had just finished watching it. And my dad, who we refer to lovingly on this podcast as the Grinch, I told him, I was like, do you remember that movie? He's like, I liked that movie. He's like, that movie was funny. And I'm like, do you remember the air brakes part? And we just laughed and laughed and laughed. And it was a wonderful family moment. And it makes me so happy. (laughs) 
So you know what? You know what made me laugh and laugh and laugh? Yeah, the the ending title card where it was like "Merry Christmas to all" and "To all a good night," and then the other one. You know what I mean? Vern, you missed the Vern part. You missed Vern, dude. Yeah, get it right. If you're gonna knock it, get it right. I made it better by leaving. <laughs> That's not how that works. I mean, I just like this movie in general. I don't have any other quotes because it's all the same earnest quotes that make me happy. What about you, Tom? Ho, 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 Vern. No, I don't really have any. <laughs> all right, it's so not, is this a Christmas movie? It's not terribly movie? quotable. Yeah. If you're looking at Christmas through a funhouse mirror, then yes. Does it have a Linus moment? Yes, it, no. It, it's a Christmas movie. Yes, it has a Linus moment. There's a Linus moment. Whether it's one, I, to quote Tom, whether or not it's a Linus moment, I believe. That's another story. But yes, it has one. Then that brings us to... <laughs> brings us to our ranking where are we gonna put Ernest saves christmas i'm giving this a flat cold zero and while you guys you're are putting the, you're, you're legitimately putting this below all american christmas carol as i said in my me? opening rant if you listened this makes all american christmas carol look sophisticated you're putting this below the star wars holiday special anthony Man. at least star wars holiday special i have nostalgia for the characters oh, God. And while you two are debating your scores, I'm just going to add one final note and say, once again, first of all, I am glad we waited until three and a half years in to do this movie. Because if we did it at the beginning, not knowing, this probably would have done better for me. But I apologize to Arthur Christmas and North Pole and North Pole 2 and... (laughs) What's the other one Tom really likes? Pete's Christmas. And I apologize to Julia, Tom, and our listeners. This was just not for me. I'm giving it a two. I don't love it. I won't. It won't be part of my canon. I'm giving it a six because I have all the nostalgia. But I couldn't say any of the things I really didn't like because I figured Anthony would... <laughs> say it for you. <laughs> ...share every negative aspect of this movie ad nauseum. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh man, I know how I feel when we watch The Grinch, when we watch V, when we watch all these ones I love. So that gives us an average of 2.67, which puts it at number, that ties it with the star at number 73 on our list. In between, Better Watch Out and The Spirit of Christmas, aka The Hot Ghost of Christmas. If I have to choose between watching this or live action Grinch, and it falls every day of the tier, week. It falls in tier five. Alleluia. Holy. <laughs> where's the Tylenol? You just can't get to an episode without cussing, can you, Anthony? Just can't do it. Nor do I want to. We had a question of the week. Oh, crud. What was we it? Did, it was, was Advent it? activities. What are some of your. We also, by the way, did get just get a comment from President Hot Dog on this episode. On. Ernest. He wrote, quote, I can't wait for Ernest scared stupid when that finally happens. I'm also afraid of what you'll say about Ernest. Well, Ron, I'm glad I didn't disappoint you because I know you think I'm the worst anyway. So I offer no apologies to you. I'm joking. I love you, Ron. I'm not going to believe you after your rant so, in this episode. <laughs> so a new advent. Lies. Lies. A new Advent tradition for us this year is going to be the making of the bonfire and um, the making of the, the the creating of the Yuletide bonfire and the burning of the Anthony effigy on December 23rd. 
Well, now Tom just shows how unoriginal he is because I burned Tom's effigy last year. I've been burning his effigy since 2017 when we started this show. Tom, get a, get a new tradition. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. So Advent I'm activities. Joking. We've kind of talked about Advent activities off and on in the life of the well, podcast, especially around the country. Well, one of them for sure, I think this year for May is going to be the double features we talked about last week, at least one night of Christmas double features. And I yep. love that idea from President Hot Dog, honestly. Like, I think that will be a fun night. We, um, I've talked about it. I'll talk about it again. Shameless plug. If you are interested in adding these traditions to your family, let me know. And um, we, have, we have several of them. We can hook you up with a good, with a good discount for the giving manger, which is a little uh, manger where your child earns hay to prepare the, a place for Christ by doing kind activities for others. It's great. And then we do Star From Afar, where we journey each day towards the manger. And uh, Mary and Joseph are journeying, and then on Christmas Eve, Jesus arrives. And of course, and for an extra $5, Tom will throw in Nestor the Long-Eared Donkey to carry Mary and Joseph on this journey. Wow, Anthony. Wow. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, after <laughs> I'm sorry. We also do, we also do um, an Advent wreath. And I'm looking at building a Jesse tree this year with Ellie. What's a Jesse tree? It is yeah, a, is it's a little, I'll show you. It's a little Christmas tree that has figures from the Old Testament um, in the ancestry of Christ. It's, uh, the name comes from Jesse, who's the father of King David, um, where, the, where the prophecy in Isaiah talks about a shoot coming up from the stump of Jesse, the branch that'll bear fruit. And so it's kind of a, it's an advent tradition. Um, it's got like 20, you do from 25 days, I would expand it to 40, um, where we see, you know, the Old Testament stories of Christ and the, the what Christ is, the, the prophecies and the people that, that went into, you know, came before the forebearers of Christ. Oh, that's cool. interesting. That's really cool. And you'd build the tree yourself? Well, it's just a little, you just get like a little Christmas tree and you make the ornaments. So like you'll do a, you do an ornament with the apple to talk about Adam and Eve. You do the, an arc or a rainbow. You do stars for Abraham's descendants. You do a ram for the sacrifice of Isaac. You do a ladder for Jacob's ladder. You do the coat of many colors to talk about Joseph. So it's kind of um, everything that builds up in the Old Testament to, to the coming of Christ. Burning bush. That's really cool. I really, a lamb. Yeah, that's really cool. You'll do tablets for you know, Moses and Aaron, you'll do the ram horns for Joshua at um, walking around Jericho. You'll have Gideon's water pitcher, grain for Ruth. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. Like that. So we, we would make all of the, the ornaments and then um, put one on each day. And at the end, we've got the whole, the whole, you know, story, story of the redemption of humanity. Now, Julia, I know you haven't created your advent calendars this year yet, but in past years, what have been some of the activities you've had on for you and the kids on the daily nights? So all of the big books that we love so much at Christmas time, like the Polar Express gets its own night where we read it out loud and um, Grinch. the Grinch. Yep. The Grinch. And then there are some kids' choice nights where they get to pick, because we have all of the other reindeer. We don't have it on our regular rotation, but if they want to pick that one, they're welcome to do it. Um, we also read the night before Christmas. Um, but we do movie nights. I build some of those into the schedule where sometimes I'll say which movie it is, and sometimes they just get to pick a random one. 
Um, each kid gets to pick a cookie out of the, usually the good housekeeping Christmas cookie episode, you know, issue because it's really good. Um, and we make those and then we have a ding dong ditch also where we have a really big baking day and then the next day we drop goodies off at neighbors houses. We'll see how that one comes to fruition this year. Um, that makes you should me drop the them off with the, you should drop them off with like bottles of um, Purell, Purell so they can wipe down yeah. the Tupperware. Yeah, <laughs> I know there are neighbors that would trust that we're responsible humans, right? <laughs> and washed our hands when we were baking and all of that stuff. But then there's some that maybe won't. So we'll see. Some stuff's gonna have to change, um, you know, because typically we'll try and go to Winterfest downtown Tulsa. I don't know if that can even happen. This year we don't know, you know, if they're gonna if they're gonna do Winterfest or not. Um, so we'll see. It's gonna be a weird year, but, but at the same I, time, I think, I think it'll I be think a close the, year because you'll still, yeah. you know, can't you'll all be together whether or not you right. can go out. You'll just have to improvise other stuff and probably find a million awesome new traditions to include next year. That's I think. I think for the um, when they start announcing things that are coming out the Christine's shop, we're going to do a page of, of socially distance, social distancing activities you can do in Tulsa for the holidays. So I'll be sure to share what I find. So I like both. I love both of your ideas. As Sarah and I don't have children yet, we kind of don't set aside certain nights to go see the lights or do baking or anything. We just kind of do it whenever. Watch movies almost every night in the background, at least. My advent, our advent stuff, we have a calendar of chocolates and we get the Pop Funko calendars every year. So this year they put out a new Harry Potter one and they put out a Nightmare Before Christmas one. So those should actually get here in October, which I'm excited about. And then Sarah will turn them into ornaments for the tree, which she's done with all her ones in the past. Love that. That is so really at some cool. point, We will have a Pop Funko mini tree with just all Pop Funko ornaments. Yeah. That's yeah, I have cool. got mine from last year waiting to be turned into ornaments. And this year they, so there's a 13, the countdown 13 days to Halloween. They put out a Pop Funko one. Mm -hmm. I did not count down to Halloween. I counted down to the Burr months, which was actually April's idea because she had the two and she said that would be a fun countdown. So I agreed. Mm -hmm. And so I'll get some horror people on the tree this year too, which I'm excited about. Nice. But yeah, once... I do have children, Julia. I will definitely be turning to you and Tom for nightly activities because I love the idea of doing a, your own nightly Advent activity. That's awesome. It's fun. We really looked forward, started looking forward to it every year. And I think we've mentioned this before. I think this year when you do, once you create it, we should make it shareable in a doc for our listeners who want to maybe steal some of your ideas. Yep. Good idea. Or maybe add their own ideas too. Maybe just make a shared doc with ideas. That would be fun. That's a great idea. Um, until then, given this is the question of the week, for those of you listening, if you want to contribute your Advent ideas, if you haven't already, there's still time because we are on a bunch of different social medias. Just go to tisthepodcast.com backslash Facebook groups, Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, and it'll take you right to your preferred social media. And let us know, do you have any awesome Advent activities you do during the season with your family or with your spouse or by yourself or with strangers in the street? I don't know. Um, we want to hear. We want 
we want inspiration for our own calendars. So share that stuff with us. Um, and Tom mentioned it earlier and how many use Anthony's little Halloween horror tree idea as a sneak peek into it. If you're listening to the three of us talk about non-Christmas stuff or even expanded Christmas stuff, you can do that at www.tisthepodcast backslash Patreon, where for a minimum of a dollar a month, you get access to our vault of extra content. Um, Anthony has been doing an amazing job coordinating all of that extra Patreon stuff, and Tom and Anthony specifically have been doing an amazing job putting stuff in there. Um, they have a lot of really cool side conversations if you are a DC fan on Batman. Um, we also talk as a group, and um, we have extended episodes of some of the episodes you've heard on our regular feed, but maybe with a lot more quotes. If you happen to be an Office fan, there's a good one on there. We have Halloween content there and coming, as well as other holidays that don't make their way to the main feed. Um, you also get to hear interviews with some of our patron friends and some of our longtime listeners on Tis the Podcast, and they are extremely interesting people. So October in general is going to be a very stacked month for patrons. So if you're a Halloween fan, I recommend signing up in time for October. You'll get we have four Halloween episodes, one each for each week currently scheduled. Um, we're we're going to we're going to record an episode on the haunting of Hill House before season two drops, um, which I'm super excited for. And you know, listeners have also shown interest in if we want to do a live watch of Hocus Pocus or The Nightmare Before Christmas. So we may be trying to do that too. Spooky All good ideas is going to be stacked for y'all, and we have Thanksgiving content coming up, and like Julia said, Christmas content. So no better time to be a patron. And there are different levels of patronship. Um, you can just. Um, go the minimum to gain access, but the higher level you go, meaning the more you contribute per month, you get access to fun things. You even get the chance to pick a movie and come and host it with us for a regular feed episode. So go to tispodcast.com backslash Patreon and just check out the different levels, see if it's something you're interested in. Great news is if you're not in a space where that works for you, we are still here every Monday in your regular feed for free. Um, we just ask if you haven't yet and you really like the show, even if you don't like the show, um, leave us a review. It helps people find the podcast and getting closer and closer to the Christmas season. We really helps us fulfill our destiny of keeping the Christmas spirit alive all year long, especially in the Christmas season. So head wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review for us um, and tell your friends about it. And let's get some traffic generated because that makes our community grow. And our community is one of my favorites ever. We got some really nice words, actually, now that you bring that up about our community this week that I just want to share. Because yeah. I saw that, I think it was today or yesterday, but I, it made me so happy when I saw. We so need some we, happy Anthony in this episode. <laughs> it would be a nice. Lot of, a lot of people like ranting Anthony, and I don't think Anthony's had a rant like that in a few years, so people can get it in a minute so we had a new listener join our facebook group we have new listeners join all the time but uh this particular listener left us a little comment his name is craig he thanked us for accepting him to the group he just discovered this quote amazing podcast this week and i can't believe i've only just found it uh and he can't wait to hear all the back episodes basically but a bunch of our amazing listeners commented on this post with really nice words about the 
show and the group in general. Michelle Kidwell wrote, welcome to the group. Such funny people here. Bridget Oakley wrote, welcome. Trust me when I say that your love for this podcast will grow with each episode. Kendall wrote, welcome. This is the most fun community to be part of. Rebecca Ball put a gif of the Cheshire cat and wrote, we're all mad here. So people, the community is really fun. If you haven't joined our Facebook group in particular, you should look into joining because it's always busy. People are always around to talk to, and it's a lot of fun. We did get a question of the week for next week, by the way, to ponder. To ponder what? 45 minutes to recording next <laughs> Tuesday night. So, <laughs> so, so courtesy of our friend, we'll watch a buddy. He, he wrote, there aren't that many Christmas Halloween movies out there. So if you're to create the plot of a Christmassy Halloween movie, what would it be? The sort of movies I'm referring to are The Nightmare Before Christmas and Krampus. And we already got one response, which I'll read now, just to give you an idea, from Usually Bedwords. They wrote, I've been working on a kid's book for a long time that never gets finished, in which an imp, which is Krampus's version of elves, works really hard to switch sides and become an elf. He's sent in as a spy because none of the imps like him since he's too elf-like, and at first none of the elves like him because he's too imp-like. And of course he saves Christmas in a very half-impy, half-elfy way. I think that sounds awesome, Usually That Bedwards. does sound awesome need to finish that and mm-hmm. try to get that published because I think that would be actually really successful. Half empty, half elvish. We need to hear Belschnickel say that. <laughs> oh, or Tom. I'm, I know I had harsh words for the Santa Chronicles, but I'm excited Belschnickel's the villain of the sequel. Well, I was going to say, Anthony, you want to tell us what we have coming up? Because I think it is Brighter Horizons for you. Oh, it is Brighter Horizons. So I'm also excited because next week we are covering Disney's made-for-TV film based on their original TV show. We're covering Good Luck, Charlie. It's Christmas! Exclamation point. So <laughs> I'm excited for that. And the week after that, I mean, we've had some yep. pretty lows this year. So I think I you can know. survive. I think you can survive this movie. I think I can survive it too. We are covering Surviving Christmas, which stars James Gandolfini and Ben Affleck, and Christina Applegate. And Catherine O'Hara, The Return. So pretty big names in it. I don't know if I've ever saw this one all the way through. So those are our next two weeks. And even more excited. Oh, and Jennifer Morrison, who we've also covered before on How. But I am also excited, very excited, by this other piece of news I have for y'all. There are only 2,472 hours until Christmas. 103 days. 14 weeks. Getting so close.
And all the little children that round the table go, love and joy come to you, and to you your wassail too. And God bless you and send you a happy new year. And God send you a happy new year. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, thou tree most fair and lovely. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, thou tree most fair and lovely. The sign of thee at Christmas time spreads hope and gladness far and wide. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, thou tree most fair and lovely.